The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Don't be scared now, but it looks like you just wandered straight into you mind country. That's you mind, short for unaffiliated mind games, and you ain't never gonna be the same again. Brace yourself. It's time for Red Hot Truth Injection. Oh yeah! That's right, bitch. We're rounding up the sheeple and shaking them awake. You mind? Too damn bad. We're gonna set fire to the wool over your eyes. Feel the burn, baby. Hot damn. We're toppling the lies of the lamestream media one by one. Woo-wee! Watch them bad boys fall. Hey, Universe A. This is Universe B, Colin, and we're going to tear you a new one. You mind? So, hey, everybody. Uh, It is me, Napoleon Doom, again. Uh, And I am here with Dr. Janina Scarlett. Uh, She is an author, a podcaster, a clinical psychologist, and self-confessed geek girl. So, hi. <laughs> hi there. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's an honor. Oh, thank you so much. I am extremely fascinated with your work um, as a comic book artist myself and a podcaster and somebody who's just really into sci-fi, geek, fantasy, culture, all those kind of things. Uh, I, I yeah, <laughs> very much been wanting to talk to you. Um, So you are the force behind superhero therapy and Harry Potter therapy. Um, Very unique approach to mental health. Um, Could you explain to our listeners a little bit about this therapeutic approach? Of course. Um, I I think that many of us, when we're going through a hard time, such as now, for example, Mm. uh, a time that's completely unprecedented for most of us, um, have a really difficult time talking about what we're going through and what we're feeling. But I think that sometimes when we see our experiences mirrored in fiction, for example, Mm -hmm. like let's say in Harry Potter, in, in Star Wars, in The Walking Dead, right? It makes it easier for us to understand our emotions. It makes it easier for us to accept the emotions that we're going through because of course, People are going to be terrified when there's a pandemic going on, for example. It's not much different than the Death Eaters taking over in Harry Potter, mm-hmm. right, or the uh, the Empire taking over in Star Wars. And so um, I, I think that having this understanding, the lens of understanding of what we're going through can be really helpful for people to find the vocabulary to explain what they're going through and also to hopefully find some some hope and and meaning um, through some of these work of fiction to understand that um, so long as we band together, you know, hopefully things will be all right. Mm-hmm. And was there any specific inspiration behind your therapy? Uh, well, you know, it has a very personal meaning for me. So I am a trauma survivor myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I survived Chernobyl radiation and persecution. And um, when my family and I moved to United States, I was going through a really hard time. You know, I was um, still suffering from the side effects of radiation poisoning from Chernobyl. And I was bullied. And I really felt like, quote unquote, a freak, you know, I felt Mm -hmm. like there's no one I could relate to. And then 
I saw the first X-Men movie and it completely changed my life because I realized that actually being different meant being special. Mm -hmm. And I realized that most people were going through something like what I was going through, that even though not everyone was exposed to Chernobyl, for example, um, that a lot of people felt alone, that a lot of people felt different somehow. And it was actually through the lens of X-Men that I was able to find this understanding of our common humanity, that we all share this pain of loneliness, but we don't talk about it. And actually, the more we talk about it, the the less alone we feel. So I, I think it's an interesting paradox. Um, so, uh, it was because of that, that I started being really fascinated with stories. And later when I became a therapist, a psychologist, I started incorporating stories into my work. Yeah. And that's what I really love about, uh, your therapeutic style is that it is intimidating to say like, no, this is my feeling. This is what I'm going through. But when you see it in a character or you, you see it in a book or something like that, you say like, yeah, yeah. I, I can relate to that. And it, it makes it feel a little less, uh, sometimes it feels like it's a burden that you're carrying all alone and it's embarrassing. It's frightening. And this really takes that away. And, um, I, I really love this. Now, do you have a favorite superhero and why? My favorite superhero of all time is Storm. And that is because Storm can control the weather. Now, one of the side effects that has uh, remained with me to this day um, after Chernobyl is that whenever the weather changes, I get very sick. Um, I go through severe migraines, seizures um, at times. um, And uh, I've always felt controlled by the weather. And so seeing Storm being able to control the weather was very exciting for me. And so she was a character I immediately latched onto when I saw the first X-Men movie. And then I started learning about her backstory from the comics and over time learned that she too had a traumatic origin story. And as an adult, when she joined the X-Men, actually suffered from a condition called claustrophobia, which means a fear of tight spaces. But she was able to manage that condition when it meant... Uh, being there for her friends when it meant protecting other people, that no matter how much of a panic attack she was having, she was able to use her abilities to help her friends. Yeah. And I I think that's really great. Um, I I guess mine is Gambit. And (laughs) Uh and, uh, yeah, and and I'm I'm not entirely sure why, but yeah, probably uh, because of his uh, devotion to Rogue, somebody who he really can't ever truly be close to in the way that he would want, and that kind of thing. Um, what? And now, uh, as far as Harry Potter, um, who is your favorite Harry Potter character? Because I know you also do Harry Potter therapy. I do. Yes. Um, so, um, I have two. Um, and so my two favorite Harry Potter characters are Hermione and Snape. Oh, mine too. (laughs) Uh, Awesome. Yeah. Um, I am a proud Slytherin. Very nice. And, um, I'm also someone who experienced bullying. And although I think anyway, I didn't turn out to be quite as bitter as Snape and, Mm. uh, I don't think I'm, you know, treating my students or patients the same way as Snape does. But um, I think he was such a deep character. Uh, It fascinated me. And just to be able to show what 
pain can do to people and what love can do to people. Um, and um, Hermione, too, just because she is so unapologetically nerdy, and I yeah. love that. Um, and I just, I, I admire her so much. Very nice. So, oh, wow. Um, now, you, your experience, you said, has sort of really shaped your therapy. Um, and uh, would you say that uh, people having a fantasy life, that uh, uh, allowing themselves that sort of creative outlet, um, do, you, do you think that, that that's something that people naturally gravitate towards as, as part of their own mental health? I think some people do. I think it's different for everyone. I think some people really um, like kind of the creative fictional side. Some people are really into sports, right? Yeah. Some people are into music. But I think finding both a niche and also a community are super important, especially with what's going on right now, where we as the universe have to practice social distancing. And mm -hmm. we know that social connection is necessary for not only our mental health, but also for our physical health. There are research studies that are showing that when we have meaningful social connections, that our immune system is stronger and that uh, we might potentially be living longer, it's, as some correlational studies are showing. And so how do we then maintain connection while we're supposed to be social distancing? And I think that the answer is by being a part of, um, at times, virtual communities mm -hmm. where we're able to discuss our fandoms, where we're able to watch sports together, for example, or, uh, or listen to music together. And at a time when there's such a thing as a Netflix party, we can watch movies together. Yeah. Either, even with people across the world or with our next door neighbors that we, you know, can't be in the same room with. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that now more than ever, we need this kind of connection. And although it's not the same for everyone, finding that kind of community is essential to our survival right now. Yeah. Now, uh, in uh, your work uh, as a podcaster, as a therapist, um, and incorporating these uh, characters, uh, would you say that there's characters or themes that you find people are universally drawn to that universally come up? Yeah, um, Harry Potter comes up a lot. Mm. Um, also, Batman and Superman comes up a lot. Um I mean, nowadays, you know, certainly Avengers are uh, very popular and Star Wars, but of all the kind of themes of all the fictional themes that come up, it's it's those it's Batman, Superman and Harry Potter. Those are the ones that come up the most. Wow. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah, they um, I, I know that uh, probably. Superman and Batman were my first I experiences. Um, <laughs> I, I know that the, the first character that I ever like really locked into was Harley Quinn. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, yeah, and at, at the time, now she's having a moment right now, which is amazing. But at the time, everybody was like, she's not a canon character. You can't like Harley Quinn. Oh, she's oh. just from the animated series. I'm like, but I do. But she's amazing. Yeah. And now she has her own movies. I know. And, yeah. <laughs> Right. She's okay. coming into her own. She's yes. her own character now. She's not just yes. a hench girl. Exactly. So. <laughs> so that's I think that's very fun. I'm very excited about that. Now as you Me talked too. Yeah. <laughs> now as you talked about, we're in a really unique age of con connectivity. Um through uh now you run uh, a podcast. You actually run two podcasts? 
Yes. Uh, yeah, my partner and I have two podcasts, Superhero Therapy and Harry Potter Therapy. Very cool. And um, I've heard several of the episodes and you've been able to uh, touch base with other creatives and other people who are kind of, uh, maybe they're not psychologists, but they're doing similar work where they're sort of exploring and analyzing these themes that have been mm -hmm. presented. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's really interesting that um, these characters have become so much part of our like collective mythos, you know? that uh, they're almost uh, on the level of like, you know, what gods and goddesses were in uh, the ancient world. Exactly. And, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, um, essentially, I think uh, that comic book characters and other pop culture characters are the modern myth. Mm -hmm. uh, much like, much like the Greek gods were much like, uh, the Roman gods were, I think they are the modern myth. They're the stories that most people understand or know at least a little bit about to where, um, I've had people who let's say, um, uh, maybe were deployed in combat and mm -hmm. saw their best friend getting blown up, uh, you know, during combat or, or, you know, because of an IED and when, I would ask them what that experience was like for them. There are no words, you right. know, the word devastated doesn't, doesn't do it justice, but they would say, you know how Bruce Wayne felt when his parents were killed in front of him. Mm. That's how I felt. So they would use these fictional examples to demonstrate the degree of their devastation and grief, which, um, I, which was more meaningful for them than finding some kind of a feeling word. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, ah, oh, that's, that's awesome that, uh, people are able to touch base like that, that they can just find, find their voice through these characters. So, um, now, uh, you, you interview a lot of authors on your show as well. Are there any, uh, books, uh, that you're particularly excited about? Um, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of just about anyone on the podcast and, um, I, we've been so honored to, uh, have wonderful, wonderful authors. So to pick one, I think would be, uh, an impossible task. Uh, but I, I think we've just been so fortunate to have so many, um, amazing authors talk about their work, like Sarah Kuhn, you know, talking about, uh, her new Batgirl book, uh, The Shadow of the Batgirl, it was so powerful to see Batgirl's trauma story mm -hmm. um, as Cassandra Cain uh, working with Barbara Gordon, who also has a trauma story, and, uh, and these two amazing Batgirls kind of helping one another through their traumatic experiences. And I, I was just in love with that book and I would highly recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. Two really uh, amazing characters that uh, if you're, if you're not familiar with the uh, Batwoman and uh, Oracle, then you should definitely, <laughs> definitely check that out. Um, oh, I, I did see you at comic fest actually recently. Oh, and, yay. Yes, Thank you so much. You're an author yourself. And uh, hopefully you didn't see me. I like to lurk. Kind of in Ooh. the shadows. Oh. <laughs> Mysterious. I love yeah. it. 
Yes. I was there promoting my series Lost Bread, uh, which I write about my lucid dreams. And uh, I think the reason that your work uh, is so uh, monumental for me is because I actually started writing this series. Um, I started writing it as a novel series and it evolved into a comic book, but I started writing it and what eventually became Creeping Wave Radio audio drama podcast and this um, to sort of heal from issues in my past. Um, and I, I, I definitely understand how storytelling can become a therapeutic tool. Now, your book uh, is actually uh, very unique. Uh, Dark Agents, uh, Violet and the Trial of Trauma is the first book in a series, correct? Yes. Yes. And thank you so much for your kind words for reading it. And just thank you so much. Oh, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. And actually, a friend of mine, uh, Vin Salvandia of uh, Egg Drop Ramen Studio is the illustrator on that book. Yes. Yes. And thank you so much for the fan art. It was beautiful. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I uh, will probably touch on it later, but Val is my favorite character. And I should preface and say I'm a terrible person. But <laughs> um, actually, no, um, I tend to like villains. So Eris yeah. is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, and so I uh, I get it. And actually, um, I talk a lot about villains and, mm -hmm. you know, I like villains and why we're fascinated with them. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with with liking the, the most villainous character. <laughs> Yeah, I, I too tend to gravitate towards the villains, and I, I've never fully understood why. But um, I, I told you about Harlequin, and um, yep. now you are actually in the field that when I was first going to college, I wanted to be in, specifically because of Harlequin. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really why I chose my major. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, well, yeah. she is a psychiatrist. She uh, is. Well, you're yeah. a psych psychologist, correct? Yes, and, I'm yeah. a psychologist and she's a psychiatrist. Yeah. Um, and yeah, um, I mean, personally, what I have found is our fascination with villains doesn't mean that we're bad people. It doesn't mean that we want to become villains in mm -hmm. real life. But I find that a lot of times villains might possess a quality that we might uh, might ourselves want yeah. or maybe be gravitated toward. For example, for some people, it's um, power if we're feeling powerless in certain mm -hmm. situations. Or it's uh, freedom when we're feeling confined to maybe the rigidity of our life or schedule. Um, you know, maybe it's the seeing the suffering in that character uh, that we might ourselves identify with in terms of feeling misunderstood ourselves. And so a lot of times there is a quality that we might really be fascinated by. Um, and also villains are exciting. They are. Right? They're they're <laughs> sexy. They're fun. And so, you know, I, I love cosplaying as villainous characters um, or as, you know, at the very least some kind of naughty or interesting characters like that, uh, much more so than your, you know... A, than any kind of like stereotypical vanilla heroes mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, I'm with you. Um, actually, I would love to know what specifically about Val you're oh. interested in or that drew you to him. I, I think, okay, so it's, it's going to touch on that same thing with Harlequin and Gambit. He has such devotion to Eris, who is okay. someone who sees him as a tool. Mm -hmm. And he 
so devoted so and i would say in love but though it's only implied it's not really ever shown but and he to become a necromancer which is what he is in the book you have to really have experienced loss you have mm-hmm. to have somebody that you're trying to bring back and seeking power and so oh you have a kitten <laughs> <laughs> i do i have a kitty named hera actually oh that's awesome right next to me. <laughs> very cool but you would be you you seek power and so he is constantly unfulfilled uh because of this love that he has but he would never blame eris it's not eris it's something within himself so he's constantly trying to collect souls and bring in more souls and strengthen himself to fill that hole that's actually being created by eris but he would never ever recognize that that that's not no it's not her she she's perfect it's something within me and that to me was like, wow, that's an amazing character. So cool. thank you so much. That's yeah. really helpful to hear. That's wonderful. Yeah, really, really enjoyed the series. Um, and there's so much in it that I want to talk about. <laughs> um, so uh, what was your goal when you set out creating this series? What What did you want to accomplish with it? Um, it's so interesting because actually the idea for it came to me kind of out of nowhere about 10 years ago, I was walking to a, a, to a store, like to, um, I think it might've been to a mall Mm -hmm. and I had to stop in the middle of a crosswalk because I was almost like getting this download for the series. And, uh, my friend had to pull me (laughs) to the side so that I wouldn't get hit by a car because, um, I was just getting all of these ideas, but essentially it was, what if there's essentially this supernatural school like in the underworld mm-hmm. that would teach students how to fight supernatural monsters, but also how to fight their own internal demons and uh, in order to become a dark agent, kind of like a CIA kind of equivalent, they have to be able to learn psychological flexibility they have to be able to learn mental health skills otherwise they if they cannot face their own uh monsters then um or or learn how to manage them then they would have a difficult time in the field it doesn't mean that they have to never experience anxiety or depression or even psychosis what that means is that they have to know what these are they have to be able to learn their limits they have to be able to ask for help they have Mm. to be willing to face these monsters instead of shutting them out and running away from them. Um, and so I wanted my, my goal for the series was to show that everyone, most people have some kind of a mental health element that they're grappling with. And every single character in the series, including Hades himself, Mm -hmm. um, has some kind of a challenge that they're facing. um, And it's by learning how to identify this difficulty and how to uh, connect with other people and how to how to face this challenge that we can then not let it hold us back. It doesn't mean that this difficulty, such as anxiety or depression, for example, will go away. But what it might mean is that it will not hold us back from doing what's really important. And as the series continue, we will learn about what other characters are going through. Um, So each of the books will be from a different character's point of view. Uh, but the story will continue. So in the first book, we got to know Violet's story. Uh, Violet is a witch with PTSD who's a new recruit at Hades' Underworld Intelligence Agency. 
And the plan is for there to be eight books, each from a point of view of a different um, recruit um, to show us what's going on uh, when there is potentially a war between the gods mm. and these recruits are kind of thrown in the middle. Um, and um, so things are going to escalate very, very quickly over the next few books. Um, they're going to get ugly and scary. Mm -hmm. uh, but because of the skills that these recruits are learning and because of the skills that some of these gods like Hades and Hera have been utilizing, um, hopefully some of the characters will have an easier time than at least some of the other characters in facing these challenges. Yeah. Now you uh, seamlessly work in a therapeutic element called ACT, A-C-T. Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, yes. yes. And can you tell us a little bit about this? Absolutely. So ACT, uh, as you said, stands for Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. It is an evidence-based, which means research-supported therapy that helps people with any kind of diagnosis. So it's trans-diagnostic. Um, to accept the fact that they have this condition, accept the fact that they're struggling with, let's say, depression, anxiety, or chronic pain, or whatever the issue is, and then learn ways to uh, be mindful and present with their symptoms rather than pushing these symptoms away while leading a meaningful life, uh, a life according to their uh, greatest core values. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Now, did your own life story inform the character of Violet at all? Absolutely. And I think that I have a little bit of me in all the characters, as I think all writers do. Yeah. Um, but yes, you know, Violet's um, story uh, of nearly being burnt alive in a black past Ukraine uh, is, you know, that was uh, kind of inspired by my story of surviving Chernobyl. Now, Black Past is a fictional city, but in translation from Ukrainian, Black Past means Chernobyl. Um, and um, her being persecuted for being a witch, um, that's kind of what my family and I went through in having to be, um, having to flee our country, um, having to become refugees. Um, I wanted to create some empathy for what people in some countries go through and what um, immigration and refugee uh, population might experience in terms of having their life be in danger and having to flee to another country and what some people with trauma go through. And as the series continues, as I said, uh, we're going to be seeing uh, different characters' perspectives. So in the second book, we're going to um, see the world through a different character's perspective as the story continues. We'll still be seeing Violet, but we won't be in her head anymore. Mm. But my goal is that by having been in her head in the first book, we'll now be able to empathize with her, even though we can no longer see what she's thinking and going through. Yeah. So I'm hoping to build compassion and empathy and perspective for characters with a variety of different mental health difficulties, whether the readers themselves identify with those difficulties or not. Mm. Very nice. Now, um, though it's relatable to people of all ages, I like that uh, all your main characters are all young adults. And uh, are there unique issues that you think that young adults are going through that uh, need to be addressed? Yeah, I think that nowadays, especially the world is changing so quickly that 
people who are straight out of high school, for example, and maybe just starting to become adults Mm -hmm. are facing in that prior to 18, um, I think most people's lives are laid out for them, right? In that they they have a schedule, they know their plan, they have to go to school and they have to do homework. But then after that, now they're thrown into this world where they have a million options, uh, but they're all really competitive too. Mm -hmm. Um, So every option is maybe very challenging and there's all these obstacles and it's really overwhelming. And so even though the entire world is facing similar obstacles, um, a lot of times people are left feeling alone in their experience. And so my goal with these series, one of my goals too, was to show that even though we tend to feel alone and maybe even ashamed of what we're going through, that actually our experiences are pretty universal. And so I'm hoping that the readers will be able to go through it and say, hey, me too, I've been through that. Very cool. Uh, I yeah, I really appreciate the series. And one of the things is, along with PTSD, you touch on more universal issues like uh, just bullying or self doubt. You have some really nasty bullies <laughs> in this series as well. Um, that uh, I, I guess they're not really nasty compared to like you know evil goddesses and things like that. But <laughs> uh, yeah, and and uh, so issues that I think everybody has sort of a touch point they they can uh address those things and uh do you do you feel like uh those are issues that uh need to be addressed for people or that uh it's more just sort of a universal thing to help people find their center i think a little bit of both i think that a lot of times people might not realize how universal some of these internal self-critics might be right mm-hmm. when we think we're not good enough when we think that everyone else is judging us and everyone else is going to find out just how awful we actually are. These are pretty universal thoughts because Mm -hmm. as human beings, we're meant for love and belonging. But a lot of times we fear the opposite of that. We fear that we will be rejected and that we will lose that sense of belonging. And so I wanted to kind of show the universality of these um, insecurities and also to allow people to um, to know that they're not alone and to know that um, there are ways that they can manage these challenges. Yeah. Now, what unique problems do you think that young people or just people in general are facing in this day and age that maybe we haven't had previously? Uh, well, I think obviously the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's something that I think... Um, many of us uh, probably have not faced. Uh, but I also think just in general, the um, the vast uh, increase in competition, um, I think it was a lot easier to get into college previously. Mm. Uh, nowadays, colleges are far more selective because more people are going to colleges. Um, jobs are far more selective now, and so they require a lot more um, you know, for one job, there could be thousands of applicants. Um, so the kind of opportunities that existed for, um, like 30 and 40 and 50 year olds when, when, when we were, you know, just kind of starting out our adulthood Mm -hmm. don't necessarily exist for people that are just, uh, becoming young adults now. And I think it's really hard for some people to understand, 
also, I think because of social media, which I think is, is a great uh, tool for staying connected, but mm -hmm. also I think it can sometimes create a degree of disconnection for some people if they assume that everyone um, is doing better than they are. Yeah. And so I think because the world is changing so fast um, and it, it's changing every day, there are um, difficulties that young people face today that their parents have never faced and probably will never face. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. that's very poignant. Um, I think also that the fact that uh, social media uh, allows people a certain level of anonymity and like you said, disconnect to where they feel like uh, they can make really critical, really harsh comments of other people. And well, it's just that that's just a picture and they go on with their day and they never see any repercussions of it. But that person who they made the comment to feels and lives with all the repercussions. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because so many people live in the social media world and that is their world of connection. It it's so devastating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's um, now returning to Violet's story. Um, if people out there have a friend or family member that has PTSD, um, what can they do to help make that person's journey easier? I think the, the best thing they can do is listen as opposed to give advice. Mm. Um, I think the best thing they can do is ask permission. For example, would it be okay if we talked about what happened to you? Um, would it be okay if I gave you a hug, right? Which nowadays and social distancing might not be okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in general, I think um, asking permission and giving uh, the trauma survivor many different choices as opposed to forcing them to do something that they don't want to do um, and being validating in terms of saying, of course, you feel overwhelmed. It makes sense that you might not want to be in a crowded place, for example, which a lot of trauma survivors might feel uncomfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, so just being patient, understanding and supportive as opposed to giving any kind of advice or forcing that individual to do something that they're not ready for. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's such great advice because so, so many of the times you, somebody who is going through an issue like that, the, the common sense therapy approach is like, well, just get out there and get over it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like that. It doesn't work that way. It's no, <laughs> it's not so precise. No. And in so, fact, it can make it worse because yeah. if an individual is forced to, after being traumatized, let's say if we're talking about someone who survived sexual assault mm -hmm. and then their well-meaning friends and family force them to go to a large social gathering uh, where this person doesn't feel like they have a choice and they're feeling really overwhelmed and they become overly triggered and maybe have an intense panic attack and maybe they don't even know what a panic attack is when they have it. Uh, but that experience could set them back to where they then don't feel safe enough leaving the house, for example. Mm -hmm. And now in addition to PTSD, they might be struggling with agoraphobia. And so PTSD approach needs to be really person-centered. It needs to be, um, and, and by that I mean individualized, um, and it needs to be gentle and gradual instead of just throwing this person into the deep end of the pool and seeing if they drown or not. Right. Very much so. Okay. Well, very exciting. Um, can you give us any hints as to what uh, book two in the Dark Agents saga is going to be about? 
Um, so I can tell you who it's going to be focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, so book two will be focused on Persifer, who is uh, a dragon who can shapeshift into a human. Uh, we see um, some of her anxiety just kind of briefly make an appearance in the first book. In the second book, uh, we'll see just how much she goes through moment to moment, day to day with her anxiety and how she um, how she eventually has to learn how to become her own inner dragon and queen in order to uh, manage this anxiety. We'll definitely see a lot more Violet. We'll see quite uh, a bit more of our favorite villains. <laughs> um, and things are going to start escalating. All right. Very cool. That's very exciting. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, of course, Vince is returning to do the artwork, which uh, he always does such an amazing job. Yes. Isn't he great? He he really is. He was my, uh, well, him and Bob McEwen. um, Vince was actually uh, his table mate uh, because you come in pairs so that you can do bathroom and food trips and things like that. Um, And uh, I had said to Bob and Vince before that, if they had not been my first table mates at Comic Fest, I don't know that I would have come back because it was so much for me to be around all those people and to be constantly like interfacing with people, having conversations, things like that, and uh, dealing with sort of sassy comments that that's people passing by. They're just being like, oh, it's just a joke. We're just having fun. And to me, it's like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing to me? Leave me alone. And I was, and, but they were just like fun and happy and just made me feel super welcome. So I uh, like, yeah, love those guys. So right. always, always supportive of Vince's work. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I should bring up that you, in addition, you haven't only written the Dark Ages saga, you've actually written several books. Right. And yes. yeah. Um, so what among them is one is uh, one that's a standout that uh, people should definitely now check out the Dark Agent saga for sure, but something that you think that people really should check out? Thank you. I mean, I think it depends on uh, people's interests, mm-hmm. you know. So I have Harry Potter Therapy, which for any Harry Potter fans uh, is a self-help book for Harry Potter fans by a Harry Potter fan. Um, for people who like kind of role-playing games, I have Therapy Quest, which is kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure kind of a book where uh, you are the leading character, you're the chosen one on a quest to stop the end of the world, and uh, every decision you make uh, changes your quest and teaches you a mental health skill. I have a new book that just came out, Super Women, uh, which is... Um, directly toward uh, women in terms of helping women manage uh, depression, anxiety, and trauma. And then for comic book fans, I have Superhero Therapy, which was illustrated by Wellington Aves. He's a Marvel comic book artist. Um, And it's about uh, six superheroes who are all going through mental health difficulties and enlist in a superhero training academy to learn how to manage these difficulties. Very cool. So a lot of exciting work. So guys, definitely check out uh, Janina's podcasts, uh, check out her books. um, And you have a website, correct? Yes, it is www.superhero-therapy.com. And you can find all of that good stuff there. Um, And Janina, if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to connect with you online, uh, what is the best place to do that? 
Twitter and Instagram. So my Twitter is at Shadow Quill, or if you search for Janina Scarlett, you will find me. And on Instagram, I am Dr. Dr. Janina Scarlett Official. Okay, great. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today and uh, really excited for book two and uh, to dig into all the books that you uh, have out there available for people. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Okay, take care and stay safe. The specialist of thanks to Dr. Janina Scarlett for joining us on The New Mind today. You can check her out at superhero-therapy.com or make your way to her Twitter. She is at Shadow Quill on there. Again, it's going to be in the description below so you can get that link. On Facebook, she is at Shadow.ScarlettL. And on Instagram, Dr. Janina Scarlett Official. Thank you so much to Savage C. Walnar, our legendary announcer, who we couldn't do it without. And you know who else we couldn't do without? Ethan Mexell and his beautiful composition, Demilitarized Zone, which is the You Mind theme song. Yes, it is. That's what it's called. You can go to patreon.com slash lucidnap to support the show. If you got a little spare change, don't, uh, yeah, make sure you got your groceries and everything. If you want to do a tiny one-time donation, also you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash lucidnap. You can do that there. Or you can go to my website, lostbreadcomic.com. You can commission some artwork. You can buy some comic books. You can buy artwork that's already there in print form. So, yeah, you get a little something. I get a little something. But, uh, yeah, make sure the groceries and toilet paper and everything is taken care of. And in the meanwhile... Check out Creeping Wave Radio. It's the perfect time to get caught up on the story. Uh, Creeping Wave Radio is our scripted audio drama, and it takes place in the same universe as Lost Bread Comics and the U-Mind. And you know what? Thank you for watching, because you listening or watching this, uh, that means everything to us. It's the whole reason we do it, and I can't thank you enough. And you know who else I really can't thank enough is The Gramerica Show, Nikki Benfield, and Neil, because they are our Patreons. And... They help us out. They really, the whole show is riding on these guys' backs. The You Mind is brought to you by Lucid Nap Productions in cooperation with a hairy old man. Yep, he's hairy, all right. This is Jim Adams from Monster Attack. Hey, if you remember that monster movie from your childhood that got it all started for you, the one that really got you interested in monster movies, horror movies, sci-fis, and cult films, then you're going to want to listen every week to Monster Attack. We look at some of our favorite monster movies from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. With new episodes uploaded every Monday, it's Monster Attack. Exclusively on the Project Entertainment Network. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.